Hey there, and welcome back into the Direct Selling Accelerator podcast. My name is Sam Hind, and today I'm going to share with you some keys that I learned in my first real full-time job that I still use to this day. Now, here's what's really interesting about this. I get asked a lot by people, what did I do when I left direct selling? Now, I've shared the story many times about how when I was 14, I moved into my very first direct selling job, which literally formed my life. It took me on a totally new journey and one that I didn't really understand the relevance and significance of at that time. But today, every day, I am so grateful for that incredible experience I had at such a young age in this unbelievable industry that we all get to be a part of. But at 18, I had to make a really difficult decision and I had to move into a full-time job that I wasn't necessarily mentally prepared for yet. But what followed from that experience was an unbelievable shift for me and I learned some life lessons that I still use to this day. And in fact, they form a huge part of what we teach every day in social media. And I really truly believe it's partly what sets our business apart so far from so many, many others. So I'm going to take you on a little bit of a journey here. I'm going to tell you a little bit about that journey I went on after I left direct selling. So here goes. Now, when I was 18, uh, I had gone through school with the intention to always go to university. I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I figured I need to go into a medical career, right? Because that's where all the money is and that's what success must look like. And funny story though, I am seriously afraid of blood. And so I thought, well, I can't become a doctor because that's not going to work for me. So I'll become either a podiatrist or an optometrist. So I wanted to get a really good score in high school. But as you know, I was working in direct selling at the time. I had my own business. I was also working casually at a restaurant and I was helping my dad with his business as well. So I had a lot going on when I was in year 12, aside from all of the extracurricular activities I was part of on top of that. And by the time I got towards the end of my year 12, as I was going hard to get this score that I needed to get into university, I went into to burnout, something I know that many of us at this age are very experienced with. But in this case, I ended up with glandular fever and I was hospitalized for a bit over a week. And what happened was this hospitalization happened right at that time when I was supposed to be going to do my year 12 exams to get that all important score to go to university. And sadly, I missed out on all of my exams. It's amazing how the universe works when it's guiding you in a direction, right? But at this point, I didn't know what to do next and I had two choices. My first choice was I could go back and I could redo the whole of year 12, do a whole nother year. To make you feel better, they called it year 13, just you know, so that mentally you were able to cope with it. And I did initially start that. I went in three months, I got into my year 13, my second year of year 12, just so that I could get to the exam part of the year and retake those exams. But I got to three months in and I just thought, to myself, why am I doing this? I don't even know what I want to do for the rest of my life. And here I am working my backside off to get into a career that I don't really know if I really want to be in in the first place. So I decided I'm going to go out into the great big wide open world and I'm going to get myself a job and figure out where I'm meant to be at. So 
I was in a country town at this time and I moved up to Adelaide. I figured it would be a lot easier to get a job in Adelaide. And so I moved in with some family friends for a little while till I found my feet. And I did what we all did at that age when we were looking for a job. We didn't have, you know, seek and things like that to look at. I opened a newspaper. Who would believe that that's what you used to do? I opened a newspaper and I had a look at the job section. And as I was scanning down the page and having a look at all these different jobs that were available, I noticed one that said it was titled Uncapped Earning Potential. And then underneath in little writing, it said 100% commission-based. Now, little old country girl me thought, this sounds like a great idea. Uncapped earning potential. You know, I'm a pretty goal-driven person. I thought, this sounds fantastic. And coming from my direct selling background, I thought, you know, this is what I'm used to. This is how I do things. And so I applied for this job. Now, this job was with a company that did door-to-door sales, but it wasn't any door-to-door sales. What would happen was we would rock up to a warehouse every day. We would back our car up to it and they would fill our boot with all sorts of random things like, of course, you had uh, fake perfumes, you had really dodgy, crappy jewelry, you had toys that probably didn't ever work, you had books, and of course, you had the good old steak knife set, you know, you couldn't go without the steak knife set if you were doing door-to-door sales, right? And so we would be then given a map that had uh, several blocks that we could go to for that day. And we would rock up to those blocks. We would go with a partner, so it was always safe. And these were businesses you were going to. You never went to residential homes. But we would put this duffel bag over our shoulders. We'd fill it with as much of this rubbish as we could. And it was our job to go and sell this stuff. Now, when we got back at the end of the day, we would turn in what we hadn't sold and anything we had, we had to pay for. And it was our job, if we wanted to make money, we needed to sell it for whatever we could over what we had to pay for it. So basically, it was like our own little business. We could decide, they would give us a recommended price to sell it for, but at the end of the day, if we sold it for cost, then we didn't make anything. Or if we sold nothing, we got no money that day. So there was a lot of incentive to go out there and sell as hard as we could, as quickly as we could. And naturally, this company put us through a lot of training to help us be great at what we did. Now, As much as this sounds like the most horrific job in the world, which in some ways it really was, it was also the most incredible job in the whole world. And I say that because this was an opportunity for me to grow some incredible skills in a very short period of time. Now, funnily enough, I was actually, I I really relished this. I didn't have any preconceived ideas when I came into it. And so I had I, you know, jumped into this role just kind of like I did with my direct selling job, hated the products, which was the one thing that was very different. But what was the same was that I learned some skills to build relationships very, very quickly. And I'm going to share three of those skills with you today. Three things that I learned very, very fast in doing this, this door-to-door role that I still use to this day, every single day, and we teach people to do when using social media. And I'll go through these with you in a moment, but there are a few key things about this job that I had to pick up very quickly. And the first was that you had about seven seconds to get somebody's attention when you walked in that door before they made a decision to either boot you out or hear you out. And I had to learn how to use those seven seconds really, really wisely. 
So what I learned very, very fast was that in order to get them to pay attention to me in seven seconds, I had to get them talking. And the way to get them talking was to get them talking about themselves. It was to make them the most important person there. And there were a number of ways of doing that. And I'm going to talk to you about that in a little moment. But what was really crazy about this job was I was their longest standing ever employee get this, their longest standing ever employee. I was so proud of that title because at the time I had no idea what that meant. I was there for an entire month, a whole month. (laughs) Can you believe it? But in this one month, man, oh man, did I learn a lot. So I'm going to talk to you about the very first thing that I had to do to get their attention. Now, I just said to you that I had seven seconds to get their attention when I walked in the door, right? Well, let me tell you a little secret. Things have changed a little bit since then. I was a fresh 18-year-old at that stage and I'm now nearly 38. So this was, we're talking, I cannot believe we're talking nearly 20 years ago. This is nuts that we're talking nearly 20 years ago. It feels like yesterday, but here's the thing. In today's environment where we now have social media as our door-to-door, if you like, you've got three seconds three seconds to get their attention, three seconds when they scroll past your post to decide if they're going to click on it or they're going to go straight past it, if they're going to hear you out or if they're going to boot you out. So how do you get their attention? Well, here's the first thing that I learned, and that was to establish commonality. Now, establishing commonality is something that's been taught to me over the years throughout marketing and sales roles in many different positions that I've had again and again and again in different ways. But I learned to do this without anyone teaching me very quickly when I was in this door-to-door sales role. And it was amazing how much it was repeated. And I realized later on that this is actually a technique that's taught to salespeople. And it's something that I figured out all by myself through necessity. But here's what I worked out was really important to do. And that was observe and learn. And it's something you hear us talk about a lot inside of our courses and our training and on our webinars was to pay attention. When I walked in the door of a business and I literally, whoever was the first person that I came across was the person that I had to gear myself towards because that was the person that I was going to be selling to initially. Now I had to win that person over because if I didn't, I was out there faster than I could blink my eyes. So I had to establish establish some commonality with that person very quickly. Now, there are a few ways to do that. The first is to observe visually, to look at what's going on around you, pay attention to their behavior, pay attention to what they're wearing, even look at things like pictures on the walls, pictures on their desks, things that they have, and find something that you may have in common with them, or at least get them talking. Now, I'm going to talk about how this ties into social media in a moment, but the thing about this is that someone might say to you, and I used to hear this a lot when I walked into a business, particularly when I worked with the entertainment book, another role that I had a little bit later on down the track, and I was with this incredible company for 11 years, loved every minute of it, but the thing was that we were told when we walked in a door, you've got five minutes. Now, for some people, that would be a really scary thing to be told. When you walk in the door of a business and you're trying to sell to them, you know, you need to sell to these people because it's your, it's your livelihood right now. But they say to you, you've got five minutes. Now, that for them is a brush off, but really what that means is not at all that you have five minutes. It's you've got five minutes to impress me. If I impressed them, I had all the time in the world. That five minutes turned into an hour. No problems at all. But I had to get their attention first. 
first. And the way to get their attention was to make it all about them. So observation and keen observation is really key here. Getting them to talk about themselves, using their name. The moment you learn their name, use their name. Remember what I've said in my trainings previously is that everybody's name your name, my name, it's the sweetest word in our vocabulary. We're programmed to pay attention when we hear it. And so whenever you are connecting with someone, making friends with someone, getting to know someone, even when you're speaking with your partner, use their name because it makes them feel heard and it makes them feel like they matter. And it does do something to our subconscious that helps us to trust that situation, that helps us to trust that person without even thinking about it. So when someone uses your name, it makes it about you. There's no question you're talking to to that person in the room. So names are really, really important. But pay attention to what you see around you. You know, is there something you can find, even the tiniest detail, where you can establish some commonality? Now, sometimes it might feel a little bit silly at first, but the more you practice this, the better and easier it becomes. And I can tell you, there were some really awkward situations I got put myself in when I might say something that would come across as really weird. Just as much as there might have been those awkward situations, there were also those moments where I broke through and I found something beautiful. Now, you might be thinking right now, Sam, it really sounds like you are, you know, going in as a hardcore salesperson that doesn't care about the people that you're dealing with. And that's not really who I am. Well, let me tell you something. These were skills that I learned to survive, but Many, 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 many of these people are people that I'm now super close with. They're friends. They're people that I have stayed in contact with to this day. In fact, I've just dug down and I have grabbed myself a cup of coffee from a local cafe. And this is one of the very first people 15 years ago that I walked in and when I was doing door to door and I walked in with, when I say door to door, I mean cold calling with the entertainment book. And I walked in, met this person, established commonality with this person. And I now have a really strong relationship with these guys to this day, to the point where we're really great friends and we love to hang out with each other. So yes, to a point, I'm looking at how can I establish a relationship with somebody really quickly in order to sell my product, because that's what I'm looking at doing in the short term. But in the long term, I have established so many incredible relationships with so many incredible people that I never actually would have had the opportunity to meet had I not had the guts to start the conversation in the first place. So Commonality, really important. And what it will do as well is it will help you establish a real relationship with that person. Whether it goes anywhere or not, it doesn't matter. But if it goes somewhere, you're going to have something real to talk to them about. So you're looking for something that you might have in common. It could be kids. It could be an activity. It could be something that you like. It could be an item that they're wearing. It could be a way that they do things. You're looking for a piece of commonality or a way to get them talking about themselves. That's the first key thing that I learned. Now, I want to just really quickly mention how this relates to social media and direct selling now. And you may have guessed it, social media is a really important relationship building tool. It's not the place that we keep the relationship, but it's certainly a place where we can start the relationship. And the great thing about social media is there are so many ways you can observe things about people before you start that conversation. The thing is that many of us don't think to do it. 
it takes only a few seconds of just jumping in and paying attention to a few things, looking at some of the comments they're making, even something in their profile picture may give you a piece of commonality to grab from. And once you have that and you can start that conversation, you've made an observation no one else bothered to make. Because I can tell you that by doing this one key step here, you're doing I feel like it's a long lost art. You're doing something that most other people in business don't do. Number one, because it takes just a little bit of time. Number two, because it requires you to think for a little moment. And number three, because we all like to talk about ourselves. And so thinking about making it about someone else is not natural for us as human beings, I'm afraid to say. And so this is something that many people in business don't do. They go straight to talking about themselves and what they have and what they want you to do here's my product, buy it from me, here's my business, book with me or join me. But they forget to stop and make it about that other person at the other end of the computer screen or wherever it might be. So commonality has got so many important, I guess, important positive outcomes really with any relationship that we build. Now I can tell you that I use this in all areas of my life. I know this may sound a little bit odd, but if I ever go to a party or an event, I always feel really uncomfortable because because if I'm not standing there with someone I know, I find it really hard, as much as this may seem strange, to have to approach and 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 meet people I don't know for the very first time. And so I've got to take myself back into that door-to-door scenario and think, how would I have done it back then? And establishing commonality is the first way that I make friends in any circumstance. It's observing, it's paying attention, and then it's making it about them first. Do that. And of course, they'll return it and it becomes about you as well. But it establishes a real relationship and something that you can really talk about that actually matters. So establishing commonality, really important there. Now, I'm going to give you a hot tip here as well. If you're ever in a situation when where you're in front of someone who you haven't got much of a relationship with yet. Maybe it's someone that you're yet to build a relationship with, somebody that you've just met and you're trying to warm, you know, warm that relationship up with, or, you know, you, you're going to have to explain the business or the products with them or whatever it is. If it's someone you're not yet massively comfortable with, a hot tip is to do something that we call mirroring and matching. Now, this is about tapping into the subconscious brain to build trust very, very quickly. And what it is, is it's a physical mirror and match situation. So what you do is whenever you are in front of someone or you see someone that you want to build a relationship with or you want to establish a little bit of a rapport with quickly, have a look at number one, the way they're sitting or they're standing. Are they leaning in or are they leaning out? Pay attention to what they're doing. Are they having a drink? If they offer you a coffee or a tea, ask if they're going to have one. And if they say yes, you have one too. So you're mirroring and matching their physical behavior. This is something that taps immediately into the subconscious brain and utilizes that part of the brain that makes us feel like we're part of a tribe or we're part of something. It takes away a bit of that fear of the unknown. Now, I'm simplifying this right down because I I want it to be something that is doable and easy for anybody. But the truth is it really works. And what you'll notice is there's actually a telltale sign when you've done it well. So even after a few minutes and you've, you know, crossed your legs if that's what the person's doing, if they've crossed their arms, you know, you, you be very mindful about the way that you cross your arms, but you can certainly put your arms sort of across your body to, to mirror that behavior initially. But once you feel like you've established a bit of a rapport, just play around with you saying if it's worked by leaning in 
or leaning out, moving your arms, change the way that you're behaving for a moment. If you've established the rapport effectively, they will actually mirror you back. It's really amazing to watch. And what you'll be able to do is things like open up your stance a little bit or move yourself around into a position where you're able to converse with them on a in a friendlier way, in a way that's going to get you somewhere. So if they're really guarded, you can uncross your arms. And if you've got them in to a position where they're mirroring and matching you. Now you can uncross your arms and they'll do the same. So it's a really cool thing to do and to practice. um, And I highly recommend that you do. All right. So let's have a look at number two. So that's number one is establishing commonality. Number two is no doesn't always mean no. In fact, in my experience, no never means no. But I just want to talk about one of the great fears that we have first before I, I get into what no's really mean. The thing is that a lot of us don't ask for the sale because we're afraid of the no. And the reason we're afraid of the no is because we feel like it's no to us. We feel like it's personal. And I just want to take you out of that mindset for a little moment, because if you can remind yourself that number one, if you don't ask, you don't get. If you don't ask for the sale, they're not going to give it to you. But number two, it's not personal. And the more no's you get, eventually you're going to have to get a yes. Even if initially you're having a little bit of trouble with your closing rate, maybe there's a few things you need to hone in on, you're going to get better at it the more you try it, the more you practice it. And so asking for the sale, asking people to to say yes to you is the first step. And just know it's not a personal attack if they say no. It's not about them saying no to you. They're not saying no to you. They're saying no to whatever it is that you've asked them to do. And this is where the next bit comes in. No doesn't mean no. No means one of two things. It either means no, not right now. I can tell you there are so many instances where someone has said to me, absolutely not. No, 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 no. And I've realized, maybe I've given up for a long period of time, but I've realized through, I guess, resilience and practice that when you come back, often it's just that it was the wrong time for them. You don't know what's going on for them that day or what's going on for them in life at the moment or in their their situation financially or whatever that might look like. It's not no, it's no, not right now. And so that's number one. It doesn't mean hound and hound and hound and hassle. It just means don't walk away and never contact that person again because you just don't know. And some of the most incredible relationships I have with people now that are close friends are people that said no to me for many years, but I worked on that relationship. I said, I'm not going to walk away from getting to know them. I'm not going to walk away from the relationship and I'm going to get to know them. Now, some people never said yes to me and they're still fantastic friends to this day and people that trust me and I trust in return. But what I learned was that for many people, it was just about learning what mattered for them at that point and coming back to them when it was right for them. So that's the first thing with a no. The other reason people say no is because it's actually a request for more information. You've not given them enough of a reason just yet. And sometimes you've got to dive and find out what is it that's holding them back. And that comes down to asking more questions. 
Get really, really good at getting curious. The more you can ask, the more information you can get. And if you can establish and work out what's going on for them, what matters to them, what are their values, what are their problems, what's going on for them, again, it may not mean that right now is the time, but it will arm you with any information that you need that's going to help you down the track. Now, I know we're talking about very deep sales here, but I'm actually talking about relationship building as a whole because sometimes the no feels like a no to the relationship and you've got to figure out how do I work out how to build a relationship with this person because I know in my heart and soul that this is my ideal customer right here and I know that I can be friends with this person. I know I can build a relationship with them and I know that we're on the same page, but there's something right now that's that's sort of a barrier there that's in the way. And I need to work out what that is, both for me to learn, but also so that I can break through and build that relationship with that person. So stop and consider to yourself, what sort of a no could this be? Could it be a no, not right now? Or could it be a no, this is a request for a little bit more information. And the best way to figure that out is to ask more questions and just get curious. Just keep asking questions, keep stockpiling information, and it may lead nowhere right at that point in time. That's okay. Take it away with you, consider it, and don't stop touching base. Just make sure that when you do touch base with people, it's always without a hidden agenda. All right. That's the easiest way to build the relationship long-term, and you will be surprised at how rewarding that is in the long run. Now, one little hot tip with this one here, and that is something that, again, I still use to this day, insanely powerful. And I told Greg this one a little while back, and he said this blew his mind, and he uses it all the time as well, and he loves it. You'll hear it constantly from sales trainers around the globe. It's an oldie but a goodie, and it is this, the last one who speaks loses. (laughs) That sounds terrible, doesn't it? But really what that means is that when you do get to that point where you ask for the sale or you're waiting for an answer, it can feel really awkward and uncomfortable, but you need to let there be a pause. If you've said to somebody, so what do you think? Or what would you like to do next? Or which would you choose? Or what would you like to do? Or would you like to take up this opportunity? Stop and wait. And that can feel really uncomfortable, but here's the key that you need to know. It is natural human nature to fill the gap, to fill the silence. And often people will say the thing that they don't want to say at that point in time because they just want to fill the silence. So what will happen is they will either give you a critical piece of information that you need to hear right now, that thing that's holding them back, or they'll say yes. And if they say no, that's okay because you now know what to do with a no. You know it's either a no, not right now, or a no, I need more information. So when you get to that point, pause. As awkward and as uncomfortable as it feels, get really, really good at it. And there's often times Greg and I will still to this day kick each other under the table when someone has jumped into a scenario where for whatever reason we need someone to give us a piece of really important information. It might even be in a coaching call where we're asking somebody uh, for a critical piece of information like why are they doing what they're doing? Why do they do what they do? Because we know that when the why becomes clear, the how becomes easy. So we might be asking someone the question, why do you do what you do? And there's all that temptation to jump in and help them to get that answer. But the thing is, the most important piece of information will come out when we pause. So we'll often kick each other and go, don't, don't say anything. 
Let them come out with it. Let them fill the gap with the, the silence because they'll say whatever is, is really needing to be said at that point in time. And you watch people do it to you as well. I love observing salespeople, particularly if I go to a car yard. You know, it just if you want to suss out salespeople, car dealerships, real estate agents, fantastic. Even somewhere like Harvey Norman or anywhere like vacuum cleaner sales places, <laughs> go into any of those places and just observe, go in and, you know, just browse and you'll notice them do some very specific sales techniques, some of which I've just mentioned to you today, where you'll go, I get it. I'm paying attention here. Or you'll see them make some critical mistakes and you go, ah, yep. Okay. <laughs> I can see what Sam was talking about now. So just remember that no is not personal and no doesn't always mean no. In fact, I don't think I can think of any situations where a no has really meant no. It was usually just a situation where it was a no, not right now, or no, I need more information. And sometimes it's a no because you haven't given them the right reason. And you may never, you may not be able to, but just know it's not a no to you. And the more no's you get, I also learned, and this is my number three here, the third thing that I learned that I still use to this day is, I know for some of you guys going to be a bit of a kick in the guts because you're like, but here's the thing, it's resilience. It's so important, so important in any business that you have. But if you want to be in a business where you are kicking goals, you've got to have an element of resilience. And this job that I had, this door-to-door role, man, oh man, did I have to build a thick skin fast. I learned that for every three no's, three times I got booted out, I would get one person hear me out. Now that meant that I had to go through three no's and they were often nasty, but I knew that it was a numbers game for me because I'd done enough of these cold calls to figure out what my numbers look like. And then I could always work on improving those numbers. They actually started at closer to 10. I get 10 no's for every one yes. That was hard slog. And that was where I appealed to a few others more experienced in the role and said, hey, how do I pick up and improve on this? And this is where I learned about the no's. I learned about giving them more information. And I most importantly learned how to establish that commonality, that relationship really fast. And slowly I noticed that my close rate started to improve. I started to get more people hearing me out. And I eventually got it to a point where it was a three to one ratio. But here's the thing about that. You still have to have the no's. They can't all be a yes. And the trouble is that no's still hurt. When you get booted out of a business, you've walked into a business and you've said, hey, I've got something I want to show you. Would you hear me out for a moment? Immediately, I would get this no, get out. I don't have time for you. Get out. You haven't been invited in here. And sometimes it was really nasty. So I learned to make it about them. I'd walk in and I wouldn't tell them why I was there. I didn't tell them what I had to sell. I didn't tell them what my agenda was. I focused on them. And it was very hard at that point for them to boot me out immediately. Of course, they'd still do it. Of course, sometimes when they realized I was there to sell, they'd say, I don't have time today. I'm not interested. And I had to get good at having a thick skin and having a little bit of resilience because the thing was that the yeses were so worth it. And you know that when you get them because you're like, wow, that felt really great. I just helped someone. I just made someone's day. I just sold someone something that they really wanted that they're going to be excited about. In your case, you might sign someone up to join your team or be part of the business. And you know that this is 
is a life-changing journey. That feels great. But in order for you to help the next person, you've got to get through some more no's. So resilience is so critically important to getting through and to that next yes. So treat it a little bit like a numbers game. I've heard so many different opinions on numbers games, but here's the thing, guys. The end of the day, when it comes to getting yeses and no's, you're going to get the no's. So it is a numbers game. It's good to know what your numbers are because it's going to help you a little bit more. I used to, when I had really rough days, I used to actually keep a little notebook in my car so that I could egg myself on. Every time I got booted out, I put a one down. I got booted out again, I put another one down and I go, I know I'm getting much closer to the next yes. And that was the only thing that kept me going every day to get to that next yes. And it was amazing. It it made me make more calls. I made more calls than anybody else that was working with that company at that time because I knew it was numbers. I knew that if I could see more people, I could get more yeses. And it didn't mean that I moved through people quickly and I churned and burned. It just meant I gave everyone everything I had. But if I got to know that was okay, it was one step closer to a yes. So I'm just going to encourage you right now. I know you're not doing door-to-door and I'm not encouraging you to do, to do door-to-door. I am so glad I'm not in cold call anymore. I'm so glad that I'm not doing door-to-door anymore. But what I am so incredibly grateful for are those incredible skills that helped me now to be able to do what I do and do it well. Now, when it comes to social media, it's the same thing. It's still a numbers game. You still have to have some resilience and you still have to hear the no's because they're going to happen. I just want to encourage you though, Don't think for a moment that I'm suggesting that you go out there and you hound and hassle as many people as you can because it's a numbers game. And then when they say no, that you keep hounding them. That is not under any circumstances what I'm saying to you. What I'm saying to you is this is typical relationship building advice and make it all about the relationship. Do you know there are so many other people that I watched come and go throughout my sales career that were typical salespeople. They were the slimy, the pushy salespeople. They didn't last very long. They moved from job to job to job. And these are the people that give salespeople a bad name, right? But here's what I learned and what I wanted to be different about me as I was going through these roles. I didn't want to be a typical slimy, houndy salesperson, but I did want to take the best from everyone that was teaching me things. I wanted to learn all of those skills and I wanted to learn to apply them to build meaningful relationships. And I can tell you there are some unbelievable relationships I have now. I've said this a few times during this podcast episode that I know these people will be friends with me, networks, connections for many, many years to come. We're talking 20 years down the track and so many of these people I could still pick the phone up to now and talk on the phone for an hour with about anything. They know I'm not ringing because I've got a hidden agenda or because I'm selling to them. They know because I made the relationship the most important part of our interaction. The sale took care of itself. Now, I can tell you that the sale did take care of itself. In all of those years that I was in my sales roles, in every role I was in, I was always the top salesperson in the company or with the organization. Every single time. I have got award after award after award that are sitting in boxes at home that I'm still so proud to have. But I'm proud to have them, not because I beat people down, not because I was the slimiest, I was the best salesperson. It was because I learned how to build awesome relationships. And those relationships were what turned into the sales. And the sales took care of themselves because I took my focus off the sale. My focus went to the relationship. So 
It doesn't mean that you go slower, but what it means is that it's more quality and you end up with people that are with you for years to come. You will be amazed at how these people will stick with you when you make it about the relationship. Now, I know I'm preaching the converted here because this is a relationship building business, but I just thought I wanted to share these three things with you because I know how powerful they are in our everyday. I repeat these things to people every day and I get so many people giving me these aha moments when I say them to them because they are so powerful and I don't think they're ever, ever going to be less powerful. We're just changing the way that we use them. We've gone from in-person to online so what? It still matters. So just remember, number one, establish commonality. Build the relationship, make it about them and get them talking about themselves. They may give you only five minutes, but you've got all the time in the world once you get them talking about them. The second thing is no is not always no, and it definitely isn't personal. And number three is you need to have some resilience. Be prepared to get a no because it's going to happen. Absolutely, 100% of the time, I don't know anyone who's successful in their business that hasn't had a knockback. You're going to get them. So build some resilience and be prepared for it. But guys, I hope that this has been helpful for you. I hope you've got a few little golden nuggets out of this episode today. And hey, you've learned something new about me today. Who knew? Door-to-door sales. But I don't regret it for a moment. I loved it for the time that it lasted, but I'm really glad it was only a month. But let me tell you right now that these are some of the three most powerful tools in my everyday, in everything that I do, not just in business. So I'd love to hear how you go with mirroring and matching. But don't forget, guys, if you've got any topics you'd love to hear us talk about, if you've got any questions for us, please don't hesitate to contact us on our Facebook page or you can email them through to grow at oxano.global. We would absolutely love to hear from you. But that's it from me today. Thanks so much for tuning in again. We will be back with you again next week, but bye for now. If you love this video and you would love more help to improve your direct selling business on social media, then click on the link to join our Facebook group. I look forward to seeing you in there.